Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Section 34 of Complete Original Short Stories of Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio. Section 34. The Patron. We never dreamed of such good fortune. The son of a provincial bailiff, Jean Maron, had come as do so many others, to study law in the Cartier Latin. In the various beer houses that he had frequented, he had made friends with several talkative students, who spouted politics as they drank their beer. He had a great admiration for them and followed them persistently from café to café, even paying for their drinks when he had the money. He became a lawyer and pleaded causes, which he lost. However, one morning he read in the papers that one of his former comrades in the Cartier had just been appointed deputy. He again became his faithful hound, the friend who does the drudgery, the unpleasant tasks, for whom one sends when one has need of him, and with whom one does not stand on ceremony. But it chanced through some parliamentary incident that the deputy became a minister. Six months later, Jean Maron was appointed to state councillor. He was so elated with pride at first that he lost his head. He would walk through the streets just to show himself off, as though one could tell by his appearance what position he occupied. He managed to say to the shopkeepers as soon as he entered a store, bringing it in somehow in the course of the most significant remarks, and even to the news vendors and the cabmen. I, who am a state councillor, then in consequence of his position, as well as for professional reasons, and as in duty bound through being an influential and generous man, he felt an imperious need of patronizing others. He offered his support to everyone, on all occasions, and with unbounded generosity. When he met anyone he recognized on the boulevards, he would advance to meet them with a charmed air, would take their hand, inquire after their health, and, without waiting for any questions, remark, You know I am state councillor, and I am entirely at your service. If I can be of any use to you, do not hesitate to call on me. In my position, one has great influence. Then he would go into some cafe with the friend he had just met, and ask for a pen and ink and a sheet of paper. Just one, waiter. It is to write a letter of recommendation. And he wrote ten, twenty, fifty letters of recommendation a day. He wrote them to the Café Américain, to Bignons, to Tortoni's, to the Maison Dorée, to the Café Riche, to the Elder, to the Café Anglaise, to the Napolitan, everywhere. He wrote them to all the officials of the Republican government, from the magistrates to the ministers, and he was happy, perfectly happy. One morning, as he was starting out to go to the council, it began to rain. He hesitated about taking a cab, but decided not to do so and set out on foot. The rain came down in torrents, swamping the sidewalks and inundating the streets. Monsieur Maron was obliged to take shelter in a doorway. An old priest was standing there, an old priest with white hair. Before he became a counselor, Monsieur Maron did not like the clergy. Now he treated them with consideration, ever since a cardinal had consulted him on an important matter. The rain continued to pour down in floods and obliged the two men to take shelter in the porter's lodge so as to avoid getting wet. 
Monsieur Marin, who was always itching to talk so as to let people know who he was, remarked, This is horrible weather, Monsieur l'abbé. The old priest bowed. Yes, indeed, sir, it is very unpleasant when one comes to Paris for only a few days. Ah, you come from the provinces. Yes, monsieur, I am only passing through on my journey. It certainly is very disagreeable to have rain during the few days one spends in the capital. We officials who stay here the year round, we think nothing of it. The priest did not reply. He was looking at the street where the rain seemed to be falling less heavily, and with a sudden resolve he raised his cassock just as women raise their skirts in stepping across water. Monsieur Maron, seeing him start away, exclaimed, "'You will get drenched, Monsieur l'abbé. Wait a few moments longer. The rain will be over.' The good man stopped irresistibly and then said, "'But I am in a great hurry. I have an important engagement.' Monsieur Maron seemed quite worried. "'But you will be absolutely drenched. Might I ask in which direction you are going?' The priest appeared to hesitate. Then he said, "'I am going in the direction of the Palais Royal. "'In that case, if you will allow me, Monsieur l'abbé, I will offer you the shelter of my umbrella.' As for me, I am going to the council. I am a councillor of state. The old priest raised his head and looked at his neighbor and then exclaimed, I thank you, monsieur. I shall be glad to accept your offer. Monsieur Maron then took his arm and led him away. He directed him, watched over him, and advised him. Be careful of that stream, monsieur l'abbé, and be very careful about the carriage wheels. They splatter you with mud, sometimes from head to foot. Look out for the umbrellas of people passing by. There is nothing more dangerous to the eyes than the tips of the ribs. Women are especially unbearable. They pay no heed to where they are going and always jab you in the face with the point of their parasols or umbrellas, and they never move aside for anybody. One would suppose the town belonged to them. They monopolize the pavement and the street. It is my opinion that their education has been greatly neglected. And Monsieur Maron laughed. The priest did not reply. He walked along, slightly bent over, picking his steps carefully so as not to get mud on his boots or his cassock. Monsieur Maron resumed. I suppose you have come to Paris to divert your mind a little. The good man replied, No, I have some business to attend to. Ah, is it important business? Might I venture to ask what it is? If I can be any service to you, you may command me. The priest seemed embarrassed. He murmured, Oh, it is a little personal matter, a little difficulty with, with my bishop. It would not interest you. It is a matter of internal regulation, an ecclesiastical affair. Monsieur Maron was eager. But it is precisely the state council that regulates all those things. In that case, make use of me. Yes, monsieur, it is to the council that I am going. You are a thousand times too kind. I have to see monsieur le père and monsieur savon, and also perhaps monsieur petit pas. Monsieur Merrill stopped short. Why, those are my friends, monsieur l'abbé, my best friends, excellent colleagues, charming men. I will speak to them about you and very highly. Count upon me. The cure thanked him, apologized for troubling him, and stammered out a thousand grateful promises. Monsieur Merrill was enchanted. Ah, you may be proud of having made a stroke of luck, Monsieur l'abbé. You will see, you will see that, thanks to me, your affair will go along swimmingly. They reached the council hall. Monsieur Maron took the priest into his office, offered him a chair in front of the fire, and sat down himself at his desk and began to write. My dear colleague, allow me to recommend to you, most highly, a venerable and particularly worthy and deserving priest. Monsieur l'abbé... He stopped and asked, Your name, if you please? L'abbé Centure. Monsieur l'abbé Centure, who needs your good office in a little matter which he will communicate to you. I am pleased at this incident, which gives me an opportunity, my dear colleague. And he finished with the usual compliments. When he had written the three letters, he handed them to his protégé, who took his departure with many protestations of gratitude. Monsieur Maron attended to some business, and then went home, passed the day quietly, slept well, woke in a good humor, and sent for his newspapers. 
The first he opened was a radical sheet. He read, Our clergy and our government officials. We shall never make an end of enumerating the misdeeds of the clergy. A certain priest named Santur, convicted of conspiracy against the present government, accused of base actions to which we will not even allude, suspected besides of being a former Jesuit, metamorphosed into a simple priest, suspended by a bishop for causes that are said to be unmentionable, and summoned to Paris to give an explanation of his conduct, has found an ardent defender in the man named Maron, a counselor of state, who was not afraid to give this frocked malefactor the warmest letters of recommendation to all the republican officials, his colleagues. We call the attention of the ministry to the unheard-of attitude of this counselor of state. Monsieur Maron bounded out of bed, dressed himself, and hastened to his colleague, Petit Pas, who said to him, how now, you were crazy to recommend to me that old conspirator. Monsieur Maron, bewildered, stammered out, Why, no, you see, I was deceived. He looked such an honest man. He played me a trick, a disgraceful trick. I beg that you will sentence him severely, very severely. Tell me to whom I should write about having him punished. I will go and see the Attorney General and the Archbishop of Paris. Yes, the Archbishop. And seating himself abruptly at Monsieur Petitpas's desk, he wrote, Monseigneur, I have the honor to bring to your grace's notice the fact that I have recently been made a victim of the intrigues and lies of a certain abbe Sontier who imposed on my kind-heartedness. Deceived by the representations of this ecclesiastic, I was led. Then, having signed and sealed his letter, he turned to his colleague and exclaimed, See here, my dear friend, let this be a warning to you never to recommend anyone again. End of section 34. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio.